Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. to Watching the Tudors. I'm Heather. And I'm Jonathan. And this is the show where we watch the Tudors and talk about the story and the truth behind the drama. So like I said, I'm Heather and I actually have another show, the Renaissance English History Podcast that I've been doing for going on nine years now. And I thought it would be fun to go back and watch the Tudors and see what was real, what wasn't real, what was just completely made up. And I thought it'd be fun to do it with my husband. Yep, and I'm Jonathan, her husband, and I don't have another podcast, and uh, I thought it would be fun to learn about the history my wife so enjoys, and I thought it would be enjoyable to learn about it by watching a television show. So there's a lot of enjoyment going on. Yeah, and, okay. and I don't have to, to read a whole lot, which is a good thing. <laughs> and so the way this works is he asks me questions based on each episode, and um, we talk about what was true, what was dramatic license, and everything like that. So if you want to get deeper into other Tudor history, you can also go to my other podcast site, which is the Renaissance English History Podcast, which is englandcast.com, or you can learn more about us at watchingthetutors.com as well. So we are now on Season 2, Episode 6, and this is called The Definition of Love. And we really start to see the disillusion of the monasteries come here. And that really excites me because that's something in Tudor history that I really love. And it kind of gives me goosebumps. I kind of nerd out on the disillusion of the monasteries. So we'll have some fun talks about that. You're looking at me. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm having a, a similar experience, but with a different uh, storyline. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this also is like the dissolution of the marriage of, uh, of Henry and Anne. Look at that. It's poetic. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm loving like every minute of it. Like I feel bad for her as, as a person, yeah. um, just as I kind of like, I've, I've always kind of felt bad for her as, as like a person, mm-hmm. but as like the, the, the character, like yeah. in, in the story, yeah, like it's just, she's getting, she's, yeah. she's getting, you don't like her. No, I she, know. She is reaping what she has sown Mm -hmm. or will soon. And again, I would like to make an announcement that (laughs) this is not me being anti-Anne Boleyn. I know a lot of the people who listen to this show love Anne Boleyn. Don't send hate mail to me. No, you send is, it to Jonathan. This is all Jonathan. This is one hundred percent Jonathan. Yes, I've come up with these opinions on my own accord. On your own. Okay. So, do you want to hop in and ask me some questions? Oh, and just the oh. the, the spoiler alert oh, that yes, we always have alert. is yeah. we're obviously going to talk about the episode. So, if you haven't seen it and don't want to have it given all away, <laughs> watch the episode first. Right. And we're also going to give away general uh, spoilers like that are going to happen in future episodes that. We kind of would figure that you no. might be, yeah, like familiar with anyway. Like Anne gets her head cut off. Like Anne gets her head cut off. Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't think she deserves to get her head cut off. So I just want to say that now. Yeah. No okay. one, no one deserves to get their head cut off. Okay. Well, I'm glad you can see it in your heart to <laughs> grant her that mercy in my judgmentalness. Yes. Okay. 
So the speech by the Pope so to, we to, the, to, the big, to the big group of people. Yeah, we open with that. And that was in response to the execution of Moore yeah. and what was happening there. And I'm not sure that a speech exactly like that took place, but like it shattered Christendom. Like just people could not believe that Thomas More was executed. That More got killed. So people even even more than what was happening, the mm. fa- like the fact that, that the news yeah. that More came out. Thomas More was famous. He was, you know, a famous humanist, a famous thinker, and a writer. He was this bright light of English culture. I mean, it would be kind of cr- just thinking about it in terms of today's world. Like, yeah. like things take, you know, let's use America as an example. Like mm-hmm. things are pretty kind of wild in America right now. Mm-hmm. So, so you'd they think, say you'd think people would be, you know, riled up as mm-hmm. as I imagine they are, mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. But I can only imagine if, like, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can't really pick a person. But if just, like, some random loved sort of celebrity type Thinker. famous person was, like, killed, it would be, like... For not taking the oath of succession yeah, no, for something that, that was, like, this moral belief that they yeah, had. That, yeah, that would be a whole... Yeah, okay, that'd yeah. be a whole new level of... And so Thomas More was clearly a martyr. He was he lived up to what he had wanted. And a wanted. good person. Like it's not like they were charging him with treason or some right. crazy. Well, I well, think they it did kind of was with treason, that, but, but yeah. But you know what I mean. Yeah. And um also the Pope did publicly excommunicate Henry and issued several warnings to Henry publicly yeah. that he shouldn't remarry until um and this was before he married Anne Boleyn, but there was there were times when the Pope would use a public voice like that to issue warnings to Henry in some part because Henry wasn't taking his letters. Yeah. And so the only way he would send he letters would through him and he would through like the, post through the media like yeah. that and he would post letters on cathedrals in France and you know different places thinking that they would get to him so yeah. they have have letters but that was you know kind of his public way of responding to henry okay yeah. um and then there was like the the intermixed like during his speech they were showing scenes of yeah. like angry men like tearing apart the church kind of churches yeah, so during services this is what happened during the reign of edward the sixth this is not what happened during the reign and of edward the sixth is before or after what after. we're watching so this is henry's son who not only was very protestant himself but had protestant advisors who were deeply protestant so maybe 30 years and the- uh, where are we 1536 uh, we're looking just 15 20 years so they're um, off by 20 years in a yeah in, and they also kingdom, make it look but- like henry i mean henry henry would not henry was never a protestant henry as much as he wanted to dissolve the monasteries he wanted to do it so that he could have the money and as much as he didn't want to but answer to the pope yeah. he but he, he, he didn't, didn't want to bust want, it up and no those were valuable those things were i mean the the money alone of busting those kinds of things right mm-hmm. and in the reign of edward the sixth is where we start to see um old ancient frescoes being whitewashed over and God. altars destroyed what? and because it was it, the whole thing. I mean, this is like not, not even just them. Just everyone. Like, why do you have to blow up all the nice stuff? Like, yeah. Well, uh, a lot of like monks would hide things. There's really interesting yeah. stories about things that you know survived <clears throat> through that period um, because the monks hid them really well and things mm-hmm. like that. So this whole smashing of the altars that really bugged me when I watched that because that wasn't what was going on right here. Cromwell might have fantasized about that. But it, it's not something that he could have gotten away with. It's so weird. With Especially this, this early. Yeah. I mean, like, maybe, li- yeah, no. Yeah, he, towards yeah. the end of it. 
Like Although so, Henry went back to being Catholic then. It's so the weird time. for me with this show, for listening to, you know, to you about what's correct and what's not. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's it's a rather cor- correct, a- accurate show. Like mm-hmm. t- to me, it seems like they they took you know the time to to actually kind of get things right. Mm-hmm. Except like. When in they some do, places, do. when they don't, and it's just like way, so it's bad. just like way off, and yeah. it's like that, like, yeah, like, like, why even put that in there? It wasn't the same time. I, I you mean, know, I, I guess it's. I think I they know. wanted to show dramatically how things were changing in England, or and, like what know, what was to come, yeah. and foreshadowing. It's almost also like a montage from the yeah. South Park movie. You're gonna need a montage. Or that was the South Park episode where they were learning to ski. I think it was. I think it was the South Park movie. Okay. Anyways. Anyways. So the survey of the churches by Thomas Cromwell. <sighs> oh. This is getting. You know weird. what to say to make me happy. <laughs> Riling you up. No. So Thomas Cromwell is in this position now where he is realizing his secret ambitions, which is to tear down Catholicism. Mm -hmm. And he has the perfect pretense for being able to do it because Henry is his um, chests are empty. He needs some gold in his chest. So things are just really working out like, well, like he's getting power at a good time. And, Mm -hmm. and the thing is, so what he can do, so he sent, he, he did this, he surveyed all of these all of these houses, religious houses, and documented areas where they were not living up to what they were meant to be living up mm-hmm. to, which was a place of piety and you know monasticism. And oh, all yeah, this that's kind of stuff. right. You were telling me like they were just like partying. Yeah, no, they had illegitimate children and just living there. And they, I mean, it's so hard because on one hand, everything that we look at now through. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss through history is written through the lens of the protestants one right you know i mean after elizabeth the first and the church settlement england is firmly protestant catholics have a really hard time catholics were not even allowed to be in parliament until i think it was the 19th century Uh you know there's the England is firmly Protestant, and that's where we're hearing about these things is through that history. Yeah. So it's hard to to believe all of the to stories. Get an accurate representation, right? But they're definitely and and the thing is also at this point the church was the largest landowner in England, and every town had its own abbey and uh, you know a, a place for the monks. They provided mm-hmm. schools, they provided hospitals, they provided um, places for like hotels. Mm-hmm. They were. Well, like, I mean, I mean, living here in, in Spain, I mean, you drive through, you know, little towns, it's like, that's, that's what there is. It's like yeah. the churches. So I, yeah. I can imagine, I mean, that was like the town centered yeah. around the church. Yeah, absolutely. And, and these monks would 
um, and the, and the nuns, you know, that's what they did. They, they tended to the sick and they tended to, and there's, there's beautiful stories of, you know, nuns and monks risking their own lives during periods of plague to, you know, help people and, and stuff like that. And for many towns, that's, that was their school, that was their hospital. So there was, and we'll see this later in the next season with the pilgrimage of grace, there was a huge, like in, in a lot of places, for the further from London that you got, yeah. the more people rejected this idea and and saw more importance with the monks. And, yeah, and, and the, the churches, the and it wasn't like they were just like it was like some you know country estate. I right, mean, it was like the, and the so town in, school. Later and on, like, in you know, in in fifteen thirty late thirty six into thirty seven was the Pilgrimage of Grace when the the North just blew up tens of thousands of people just rebelling in favor of their their monasteries. Cromwell did have lots of records of people who were not living up to this ideal. So there is the case, and that story about the duck's blood is true. Um, And there are stories about where, oh, he said there's this vial that was meant to be like the virgin's blood. Oh, you're right, yeah, yeah, and it was duck's blood, yeah, yeah. And that that was documented. Um, Another one that is kind of funny is he said, you know, if you added up all of the pieces of the true cross in England, like all of these houses that said they had pieces of the true cross, like it literally was like a house, yeah. you know, of all of these shrouds of the two and, and their mm-hmm. shards. And, and that was just in England. So, you know, all over Europe people. Yeah. And that was a way that they made money, you know, so they made money off of rents, they made money off of tithes, and they made money off of charging pilgrims. People would come see the... Yeah, and they would ask for a blessing, and they, you know, the same way we kind of go into churches and light a candle and stick a, a euro in mm-hmm. the box or whatever, people would come and pray to the Virgin's blood and mm-hmm. give them some money. And so, yeah, that's that story. So that that's what we start to, that's what we start to see here. Okay. And then you talked about the fake relics a little. That was my next yeah. question. Um, and then my next question was about the plays. Like, was that a yeah. thing? Like the the, the actor play? Ooh, like, is yeah, that a the thing? The birth of Elizabethan theater, right here too. But, I mean, like it just seemed it was like a government propaganda play, basically. Well, like, okay, I, I mean, it, it, it wasn't exactly like that, but yes. So in the past, what what had been theater previous previous under the, the were the were mumming shows mummers shows okay. and you still means. see that like there's mummers parades in philadelphia and stuff like that and it's like religious people who are the mystery plays as well that's what they're also known as mystery plays okay and I, they don't, were, I don't know what those are but mm, well there are plays that tell a religious story the kind of thing you put on a church now like okay. the nativity scenes and okay. stuff like that those would be considered like old-time mystery plays okay and so they had always existed like that but during the Reformation, people wanted to try to take that and, and take the religious pro-Pope aspect out of it and did turn it into Protestant propaganda. So there were very similar plays to that. But then the other thing is it, it became more secular in general. So that's where you start to have room for, in later generations, Ben Johnson and Shakespeare and all these people coming up. Um, the whole theater just kind of took off once it was freed from the necessary the necessity to have it be religious. I see. Yeah. And the other part that I think is really ironic, if you go even further to like the end of the Elizabethan period, the Protestants didn't like the theater anymore. And once the Protestants actually, once the Puritans, which is the extreme end of Protestantism is the Puritan. That's like the crazy, that whole end of that spectrum. Mm -hmm. 
not necessarily crazy, but that end. Um, They hated plays because they were seen as, you know, too... Like entertainment type. Yeah. And once they had power during the English Civil War, they actually closed all the theaters. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's interesting because it was like the Protestant Reformation that made the Elizabethan theater yeah, yeah, yeah. that they hated so yeah. much. So um, anyway, yeah, the, that's kind of where, where we start to get that. Okay. Yes. Were they, so then there was like the scene where uh, George Boleyn and Cromwell and Cranmer were all walking together and chatting mm-hmm. about like, you know, being, being anti-Catholic. Like, were they a little, a little click? Like, did they yeah. kind of gang up on the Catholic church together? Well, they, you know, it still wasn't safe at this point to call yourself a Protestant. So, I mean, even until the end, I think it's really interesting. It's still kind of like hush-hush. like Right. And some of the last people, because Henry was always saying all along he wasn't a Protestant. He was still yeah. a loyal subject of the church. It's just the Pope was screwing I, him So, here. So was everyone kind of playing like the funny game, like... We all know what's happening, but we can't, like, say it. Well, on the Protestant side, they were, yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, they were all, like, I mean, they, mm-hmm. they, they were going around saying, yes, we'd, we'd really like to clean up this 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 Catholicness that we're kind of did, supporting, even though they they totally don't, and they just want to take everyone down. Right. And they did refer to him as the Bishop of Rome. Um, so they stopped calling him the Pope. So they would start to refer to him as the Bishop of Rome, like they do in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Henry, till his dying day, believed that he was a good son of the church. What a and, weird game. I mean, so, yeah. like, did he not see that he was, like, opening the door to all, like, the other people that weren't yeah. on his well, level? Like, I think he thought he could contain it, you know? I don't I don't know. I, he's the king, right? So he gets to... Yeah. I think it's really fool, interesting because I forget whether they show it here, but... Um, at the, towards the end of his life, um, some of the last people that he killed, one was a Protestant, and the other one was a Catholic, and he killed them both for heresy. And it's like, how how does that? Mm-hmm. How can you kill both a Catholic and a Protestant for heresy yeah. in the same execute? Like I can imagine yeah. them, like usually when people were okay, like, you can't you can't kill both of us. Like, but I also think like usually when people were burned. Like and you see during the Marian mm-hmm. martyrs, they would like kind of shout out like to each other, like you know, have have faith. We're we're going to mm-hmm. see each other in heaven very soon, and mm-hmm. you know we can get through this and all this kind of stuff. And oh, you mean they kill he killed them at the same yeah. time? Like I mean, yeah. I don't know. like I just can't like like okay, and I so shouldn't be killed, together. but you should. Yeah, yeah. And the other one, like you, sh- you're going to go to hell. I'm going to go to heaven. Yeah. Like you know, like and that's what I. It's so hard when you look at these. These religious tensions, because we see it now through this belief that we have of religious freedom, religious tolerance. And even the Protestants didn't want religious tolerance. They wanted religious tolerance for themselves, but not for the Catholics. Mm-hmm. And the Catholics didn't want it for the Protestants. And each side firmly believed that the other side was going to go to hell. And like the they felt it like in their marrow, you know, like it was just part of the belief system that they were right. And the other side was wrong. And I find that fascinating that you can go through this period where you go Catholic, Protestant, Catholic, Protestant, you know, like crazy. And each time, like I, I am fascinated by like what the average person would have thought. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to not get killed. Like I'll say whatever you want me to say, but, and yeah, that's where I think I said it before. That's where crossing your fingers comes from. Because people would cross their just, fingers when they were saying, like, it would be so confusing. Like, like you know, scary looking men with swords like come and say, and they say like, we're going to ask you some religious questions, and you're right. like, well, okay. can you first tell me what side you're on exactly. so I can adjust my answers? Like, I don't even care. Like, what do you want me to say right. so you don't chop like chop me up? I don't like 
right whatever yeah i have i have i have parts of my family who think the other parts of the family are going to hell because they're they're different kind of baptists than than the other ones yeah so this is all it's all foreign to me (laughs) it's It's not foreign but Mm -hmm. i don't get it um printing press okay that was another thing i just had to like i couldn't take it yeah i couldn't take it so so did they not just just (laughs) the printing press the first printer in England was William Caxton. He was during the reign of Edward the Fourth. Wait, Richard so we were just, you were just saying Edward the Sixth Six. was his son. So the Edward the Fourth would be like a few generations. No, because Edward the Fifth was one of the princes in the Tower. He only reigned for like a week before his uncle uh-huh. killed him. Now I'm going to get hate mail from Ricardians. I'm sorry. He probably killed him. There's no proof. Whatever. Just okay. move on. You're not listening sorry. that close. Okay. Um, so Edward the Fourth and his wife Elizabeth Woodville and Elizabeth Woodville's was a, a early patron of Cax of Caxton. Also, her brother Lord Rivers was one of the earliest writers and person who supported the printing press. And this is, we're talking in the 1480s, 14, it's like, 1470s. It's like 50, 60 years old. Yeah. And so obviously <laughs> Henry VIII, Elizabeth Woodville was his grandmother. Hmm. He would have known about the printing press. Yeah. Obviously this is not new technology. Like this is, but I think they brought it in here to show that this is a period where people did start to utilize. I mean, the printing press blew everything up mm-hmm. in, in Europe and made so, these I mean, ideas spread. It's, it's like confusing. the internet. I mean, so why not have the scene and just, you know, and have it be like, hey, look, we're using the printing press to print out these yeah, things well, instead of it being like, look at this new invention. It's just funny. It's like, I'm just surprised they didn't. <laughs> well, maybe there will be next season. They'll be like, hey, we invented the television. Right. And it's like, what? No, no you didn't. That's, yeah. It's like, we're now yeah. we're hundreds of years off. Yeah. So They're just testing us to see how bad our history is. Right. Yeah. So that <laughs> the printing press did change everything for it religious was, ideas. It was a big deal. It was kind of like the internet, you know, suddenly anybody can find information and, yeah. but it was not new at this period. I mean, it, it was not something they wouldn't have known. So then was it real that they wanted to marry Elizabeth? Yeah. There to were the French there Prince were talks for that. Mm-hmm. And that would have been perfect for um, Anne because she was raised in the French court. And mm-hmm. so giving her legitimacy and everything like that, it would have been, would really have been a good, would have been a good match. Yeah. And, but see, the thing is once, um, has Catherine died yet? No, Catherine's just on the honor deathbed. Cause he was uh-huh. asking. All right. I I've skipped Catherine around. was going to die. I mean, I guess everyone dies, but yeah, I really like that. Catherine. <laughs> Once, and I'm not sure how they are with the way they're strong woman. Yeah. Um, Once Catherine dies, the threat of war from the empire is suddenly lessened and Henry doesn't feel like he's pushed into having to have an alliance with France anymore. But at this point, yeah, um, she would have like, are you crying? No, I'm not. Okay. (laughs) I maybe feel like it, but no. Okay. So yeah. And they were, it was snubbed and and it kind of played out pretty similar to how it did in here. And it was also another slap in the face for Anne. Okay. Then we have the scene where Henry was sort of being haunted by more. Yeah. And I guess my question was not necessarily like literally if he was haunted like by his ghost, but you know, was Henry kind of haunted by, by more like the rest of his life? I think he always felt, and especially after Anne didn't give him a son, and after he realized that his marriage yeah, to Anne about something you can't take back. I mean, it's yeah. like one thing destroying the church as you know it, but it's another thing like killing your your, your, your buddy. buddy. Like, 
I mean, yeah. killing your buddy. Like, yep. I was talking about it with, with Heather. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think Dave would ever listen to this, but I have a good buddy, my old buddy Dave. Like, I just, I can't imagine, like, killing yeah, Dave. Dave. Like, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, I, I can't imagine what he would do and, like, kill him. I mean, it's like, you know, excommunicate him. Like, you know, send him to it's, Australia. Like, yeah. Like, kill him. Like, just, yep. like, damn. Yeah, so I think Henry always felt, but at the same time, killed his buddy. You know, but at the same time, Moore made it so hard for him to not. And the two of them send him to Russia. Tell everyone he killed him. I don't. Yeah, but then it's your buddy. I mean, he seemed as if he would not go quietly. I I mean, I hear you. I I hear you. You're not going to talk me into this. No, and Dave, you're safe. Don't worry. I'm not going to kill you, Dave. (laughs) We love you, Dave. Dave is the artist who makes the sketches of yes. the Tudor women on my shop. I have a shop, TudorFair.com. Look at how I how I work oh, that, in work that in there. He's a very talented yes. artist, and he's made some sketches of some amazing yeah. Tudor women, the kick-ass Tudor women collection. And you can go to it at TudorFair.com. Nice. Thank you, Dave. How do you spell Tudor? F-A? F-A-I-R. T-U-D-O-R. F-A-I-R. Nice. Um what was the deal with the marriage of George Boleyn? That is a question that people have been wondering for 500 years. All right. Cause like that seemed really weird. Yeah. The, and like he's gay or they, and to start with also, they didn't just get married here. They got married somewhere around 1424 or sorry, 1524 or 25. So they'd been married for a while at this point. Yeah. Um, the, I think the biggest, evidence that there was a problem was that she gave evidence against yeah because you were telling me like she she ended up tests ends up testifying against everyone yeah like but at the same yeah. time how much is of that is just her preserving i mean i i don't know yeah and yeah we don't know and that's not the and kind the of other thing, thing is document really and the is. other thing is that they were married for 10 years and they never had any children so that's another thing to look yeah. at is like were they really that but, you know, maybe they couldn't have kids. Maybe it was yeah. like a heartbreak to them that they yeah. couldn't. There's actually a book that I'm reading right now that is historical fiction, but she tries to paint Jane. In a, Jane is historically like seen as this really horrible person. Cause she, That's George Boleyn's yeah, wife. She, 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 <clears throat> she's going to lose her head because she enabled Catherine Howard's indiscretions um, several wives from now. And so there's this kind of view that she's this busybody who gets in the way of everybody and, and like just is out for herself and blah, 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 blah. And I'm reading a book right now that tries to paint her in a different picture and it's interesting. And she actually tries to show that the marriage was, was very loving, but um, you know, the evidence is really sparse either way, but yeah. Yeah. And then there was the Henry Norris guy who came to, came to ask King Henry for permission yes. to, to pursue Madge. Madge. Who had been Henry's mistress. And like these are like real people that we actually Henry Norris know is, exist. He's gonna die. Okay. Yeah. So he he was For 40. that or No, they said oh, okay. that he was with Anne Boleyn. He's one of the men that gets framed for being with Anne Boleyn. So this no, is I mean, so, so it's, it's kind of for that. I, yeah. mean, I mean, maybe not necessarily for that, but if, if he would have fancied someone else, he might not have gotten killed. Possibly. Yeah. Cause he wouldn't have been in the, if he, if he didn't spend so damn much time in the queen's bedchamber, I mean, I guess that's what I'm, then he wouldn't have yeah. gotten killed, but he was after Madge. She was in the no, queen's bedchamber. You bed just room. need to stay, you stay can't away touch from any of those when, women. When there's like explosive situations, you just need to back away. Yeah. 
don't date. Find yourself a nice country girl. You no, don't need to be just, dating Mad Shelton. Just, just move back. Yeah. The Boleyns made Cromwell. So that like was that, that was during scene. that that play, mm-hmm. and the uh, Thomas. Thomas Boleyn was saying, "Oh, the best the best thing we ever did was was make you was it rise yeah. you up or yeah. whatever to Cromwell." Like what? I I don't. They, did did they? I, I don't really. I mean, they he oh, because he's the one because, who because the Boleyns kind of tore down Wolsey, right? So that kind of opened the door, and also because they were Protestants and they knew that Cromwell shared their yeah, beliefs, and they were kind of feeding it, like mm-hmm. they were kind of feeding the Protestant thing. Through and Cromwell's him. the one who was eventually able to figure out how to get the divorce. Okay, and so but, so it wasn't it wasn't like necessarily they picked Cromwell as their guy. And we're like pumping him up as as much as it was that they just allowed him they, to they, rise. They, yeah, they made the situation so that he could. And the great irony is that he will also make the situation that has them fall. He's he's in it for Cromwell. Yeah, I, I yeah, that's I'm cool with that. Except that Thomas Thomas Bullen gets out of it, right? He does. Ah, oh, it's just wrong. <clears throat> he's a bad man. Power struggle in front of Brandon. That was awkward that with, with was the king awkward. and and the queen. And yeah. so that was uh, Brandon came to ask and say, you know, is is it okay if I, you know, escort the the French? Henry asked him to have, receive the French. Yeah, and right? and then she said, what it, you know, why why why, why their home? Yeah. So so we uh, obviously we have no idea if they argued about that that particular thing. No. But in general, like, was stuff getting, like, well, would, would they, like, get, I mean, would that even happen, like, in kind of, quote-unquote, public? It, it, it was starting to happen like that in public, yes. Um, there were starting to be scenes, there was starting to be a lot of rumors that, I mean, as early as 1535, Henry started having these rumors that, saying he wished he hadn't married Anne, that... And when, uh, I don't remember years, like, how, how long after their marriage is this? Uh, well, they got married in 1533. Okay, and so in 33, they married, years. And, and already within two years, they're having yeah, people Yeah, and say that's that. like a year before she died. So for yeah. a whole year, it wasn't like it was just a, a quick Out personality change. Okay. For a year, he had been it, saying It was like that. building up. and Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. <sighs> Yikes, indeed. You can see the writing on the wall. Well, Anne can't. She needs to behave herself a little bit better. No, she can't. Well, I mean, I feel like she can, but she just, it's like she can't control herself. She can't. Well, I don't think she can believe that it could happen. She's like oh, this, the man. chosen one, you know? He yeah. left Chris, he got excommunicated for yeah, her. Yeah, for her. Yeah, because she told him to. And because yeah. she was holding out. Like, yeah. But that's the thing. Once you give up that power, then you don't yeah. get that power. It's very different to be a mistress than a, than a wife, Yes, right? indeed. Um, Although we're in, as much in love as we were 12 years ago. Yes, of, of, of course. <laughs> we are. Stop it. Chapuis is quite disturbed by all these occurrences. is. Well, it's his religion getting torn down. I just, I can't even imagine, like, being in a country that, or, you know, working like that. Like, that's, mm-hmm. it's cool. Like, yeah. everything's good. And then all of a sudden, it's like, <laughs> you know, the, yeah, it's like burning effigies of your, yeah. your people. Like, yeah, yeah. And it just changed. Wow. So, all right. Um... 
And then, what is the Anne's pinky thing? I I was confused by that. I didn't know what was happening. So this is the first time they bring it up in this show, I guess, that she has a sixth finger. Never during her lifetime, but towards the end of the 16th century, this rumor started by grandchildren of somebody, blah, 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 that she had a sixth finger on her finger, a a sixth pinky finger on her hand. And... You know, some historians, Alison Weir is one of them, who still portray her with the sixth finger. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't necessarily a whole finger, but it was like the Whatever. beginnings of a, of a nail. Yeah. She had something like a, the beginnings of a finger or some yeah. kind of a fingernail. Now, there's no contemporary m- talking about this at all. The fact that they start to bring it up here, that would start to be evidence of witchcraft. And that is eventually what's going to be pinned on her is calling her a witch. So the idea that you might have a devil's mark, okay. for example. And I think they also talked about her moles and stuff that she had, that she had moles. And those were all seen at the time period as being devil's marks. Hmm. And so, you know, this is starting to set up the idea of, of calling her a witch. Um, and again, this is not contemporary, though. They, they did not bring up this sixth finger in her lifetime. Yeah. This was afterwards people were talking about it. Okay. Although the the thing that I think they they say might make it more probable that it's true is it was talked about under the reign of Elizabeth, who was her daughter. So you would think if it wasn't true, they wouldn't bring they that would, up. Yeah. So, or it would be denied. You know, that's, I guess, what's in the pro side of believing that she had something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very possible she just had some kind of weird mark there. You know, who knows? But that's what people said. She had this sixth finger. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not sure that the king would have chosen a woman with a sixth finger. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it'd be like, oh, yeah, come here, rub me with your little with your <laughs> freaky fingers sticking out. Like, no offense to people with extra fingers. That's cool. You're not anti-extra fingers? <laughs> no, I just want to make it clear that I've always been pro... Extra fingers. Extra extremities. Yeah. Um, so then there was a scene with Cromwell sitting around his desk going through all these letters from yes. people. Like, what... What were those letters? Who were writing them? He was encouraged. So he had a spy network. Um, similar. We we often think that the first spy master in England was uh, Francis Walsingham under Elizabeth. But I, I've, I've often thought that. You've often. I know you have. We, we debate <laughs> that, right? Um, but in truth, Cromwell had a spy network. Every, well, I wouldn't say every bit is sophisticated, but pretty sophisticated. And he he would encourage people to tell on their neighbors. So if you saw your neighbors doing something that was too popish, you should write to one of his agents or whatever and report on them. It's 1984, only in 1534. And so you you might if if something is found and you uncovered something like you might get like a loaf of bread or yeah or some reward or, or something. something yeah so people were very so people were just telling on each other yeah so if you had a, an argument with your neighbor for example, yeah exactly like your neighbor you didn't you've been arguing about some fence oh john for still like, has his rosary know, 40 years right? and it's like yeah so then the french ambassador rolled into rolled into town yeah or whatever mm-hmm. his outfit was just <laughs> out of this world and yeah. I believe I've asked you this before, but I just to check in again. Yes. Like these are somewhat accurate um, depictions of, of what these guys would wear. And I, I, I know this wasn't what people were wearing mm-hmm. in the streets, but like. 
Yeah. Would the French ambassador have been wearing that that wild getup? Yeah. Now look, this is a, we're looking at a Holbein portrait of Henry VIII here. This is what you know a typical what Henry would have wanted. Yeah, but people that's to, the king. I mean, like that. Dude yeah, but I mean that's the fashion. Smooth. People are gonna people are gonna emulate the king yeah. in their in their fashions. You know, you want and you want your ambassadors to look really good to show your wealth. Ah, uh, no, that makes sense. So those those ambassadors might be like the best dressed dudes. Yeah, that because there are, it's like, look how wealthy who's, my people shown. are. Yeah, this is just some guy. Yeah. I just threw this together. Is the jewels down the side yeah. of his... Oh, and the fabrics and stuff. That's what yeah. I'm just amazed at that with those... Deep With, red. like, that guy's... The French guy's outfit. Like, that, those fabrics are just... Like, I'm, like I, yeah. I can't even imagine how much money, like, the fabric is yeah. worth. Like, much less, like, constructing the actual yeah. piece of, of clothing. And yeah. It's, it's, really, it's really amazing. And were things really like with Henry and Anne? Um, were things really that snippy? Like what, yeah. what? What was that argument about? So she said he went over to get the secretary to introduce her, but he got distracted yeah. by the beautiful woman. Yeah, isn't that? A, and then he and then he never even Came said anything back. at the secretary. <laughs> Anyways. Yep. Yeah. No, there were a lot of public outbursts like that. I just can't. Like, it was very awkward. I can't. I mean, I, I would think that at some point, like someone would. I mean, I guess people didn't like her, but I think someone would lean over and say, "Like, chick, like you're gonna you're gonna get killed if you if you don't shut up." Like, yeah, this is a this is another famous. I think this is Holbein. Um, yeah, this is a picture of the. It's called the Ambassadors. I know they're showing me a picture right I'll now. I'll add a link in the show notes, and it specifically is. Um, it's the it's some specific people, yeah. but that. They were ambassadors. He's wearing and he's wearing a pretty wearing smooth a outfit. Pretty... That is not your average. It's not your average dude. Yep. No. And 15, you know what's interesting about this painting? Yeah. Is do you see this down here? That's a skull. If you look at it yeah, from like from a different a angle. different angle, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like one of the first times you see that in art. It's like this weird three D yeah. rendering. Yeah, I took art history in high school. Oh, so you recognize this painting then? I do. And that, nice. And that, that skull. And it's a pretty famous one. Yeah. So, yes, you can see they are nicely dressed. I know a little bit about art history. Cool. I got a D in art history. No other kind of history. I barely passed art history in college. Yeah. You know why? Because it was all slide identification, and I'm not that visual. Like, every test was... And it was Italian Renaissance, and it was all, like, these frescoes of angels. And it's like, I don't know, Angel by Michelangelo. Gosh, you're missing out. Angel. Well, that's... It's just so funny, because, like... I don't understand your fascination with history, but like art history is like fascinating to me. And to hear yeah. that you're not fascinated well, you know, by art history. Here's the thing history. though. So I wasn't then, but then when I lived in London, I yeah. worked just off the strand right by the national gallery and it was free to go in the national gallery. And I used to think, well, I'm not an artist person. I don't really care about going to the national gallery, but I thought, well, it's free. I should go in and check it out. And I became so interested in the art. Uh, <laughs> so then there's a there's also the plot to kill Anne. There was that guy yeah. that was like having a fantasizing about having killed Anne. Like that's still ongoing. Like there's this is constantly there's just everyone. There's always someone trying to kill her. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's that's just royal. I mean, that's like leading a, a world power. There's, and also, there's if someone you're that trying hated. to kill you. Yeah. But like any any president is trying to be killed mm-hmm. by someone, huh? Yeah. Just humanist. Yeah. The king was talking about how he's a humanist deep down. And mm-hmm. Just, uh, what, what's a humanist again? A humanist was somebody who believed in secular education um, and in studying the classics. You could almost say they were like the educational side of the Renaissance. 
So there's the art side of the Renaissance and there's the, you know, different music sides of the Renaissance. They were the educational side of the, of the Renaissance and the writing. And, you know, they wanted everybody to be educated and studying music and arts and, you know, the new classic, well, the new, the new classics, the new old, um, and having access to all of that. And that was pretty much the gist of being a humanist. Okay. Why do you look perturbed? I'm not entirely sure I understand, but that's it's, okay. Well, so I, up I don't until know this point, so for example, for up until this point, girls weren't educated at all, and okay. even later in the 17th century, girls would not be educated at all because humanism okay. wasn't such an important. So the think, idea that the human was value, the, the the human was a value. We it wasn't this life wasn't just the stepping point for the next life. This life had value in it right here. And we could learn and we could make ourselves smarter and so become as, better human beings. So I guess beings. as opposed to what? Like that's what I'm not understanding. Oh, as opposed, as opposed to, to a king only needs to learn sword craft and um, how to hold a shield. And a normal person. Doesn't need to know anything about how except how to pick potatoes. Okay. And a humanist And thinks, a woman doesn't need to know anything except how to do needlepoint. And, and a humanist, humanist thinks, thinks you should learn languages, every, you should like learn music, should every, as many people as possible, especially women, too, should learn music and should learn the, the languages. They should learn Greek and Latin and, you know, all the different languages. Hmm. And all of this knowledge is available to us and, and we can we deserve to have it and we deserve to have to have this knowledge because we're valuable here now. And this life, we can bring poetry I to just, the world. And it's, I, guess, I guess what it is, is it's hard for me to fathom anything that's not that. Right. Well, humanism. No, I, 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 yeah, no, it's it's a nice thing, but it's just it's wow. Like I yeah. can't imagine that. Like, yeah, yeah. Like we're I'm expanding. Yeah, like we're all like everyone involved in this podcast is like reaping the rewards of humanism winning. Mm-hmm. It's like people listening are learning and we're sharing information and I'm learning about history. And also and we can do this on a computer, which is available to everybody. And that's like on a whole new level of humanism yeah, and they winning. Can, and they can listen like by phone. downloading over the internet. And like the internet is humanism. Dude. Is your mind blown? Humanism rocks. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> All right. So my last four questions are kind of a, a funny deterioration of I um, love this. making I love sense. This. So we have... French guy didn't meet Anne. Why? Proposal change. Anne is fucked. Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so shall I go through them one by one? Well, yeah. you, you just want to. There were snubs against Anne and the proposal dropped off. Nothing. I don't know that it was ever that formal, but it became unformal really quickly. And there was talk again of Mary and you know, nothing wound up happening with it. No, but, but they but they really suggested that. Yeah. Or do, do we know? Do we yeah, know that no, they, they see- were they were talking about that Mary was the legitimate one? I, mean, and- I just can't imagine like hearing that for Aunt. Like how gutting. Like to me, that's mm-hmm. that's the definition of of the term gutting. Like mm-hmm. it would just be it would be like gutting to hear that. Yeah. It's like no, we won't. We don't want to marry Elizabeth because she's not um, legitimate, but. But we'll marry Mary. She's the legitimate one. Oh. Well, and Mary had been <clears throat> Mary had been uh, betrothed to them yeah. as well. No, so. I know. I mean, I understand that, but yeah. just in that, like, man. Yeah. And then Anne, yeah, she's she's done. Mm-hmm. I mean, what good? Like, what good is she now? I don't, I don't mean. Yeah. But. And then dogs. 
Yeah, there were dogs. Were there dogs? Like the, someone was walking a dog. Yeah. Were, like did people Anne have Boleyn, dogs? Anne Boleyn had then? a dog called Porque. Um, and she said it was because it was always looking up wondering Porque, wondering what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so she called him Porky or Porque. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, people. And later on, uh, Catherine Howard would give Anne of Cleves a Christmas gift of two dogs. So people had dogs. And there was a zoo in the tower. Did normal people have, have dogs? Mm-hmm. Or I would guess like shepherd yeah. Shepherd dogs. Yeah, and people had cats too. And the like, like for fun, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, like, yeah, like we had, do. Like yeah. we have you had pets, pets for leisure. Yeah, uh, well, whatever. I mean, it, I don't yeah. know why you have a pet. You would have a cat. I, mean, to I, I chase do. Them, I love pets. Eat the, just... eat the rats and stuff. Okay, but you know the the real problem of all of this was they would always kill the cats during plague time because they, they thought, thought that they that were the ones were the spreading ones. them because God, they knew they were like linked. Yeah, because you like, needed to have the cats to kill the, the rats. The cats would have killed all the rats. Yeah. And it was the rats. Oh. Yeah. So there's all these stories about people taking their cats. Like some people would try to like smuggle no, theirs out because they like, loved them so much the and stuff. But um, people would have to shoot their animals because they thought it was related to the plague. They kill the rats. Yeah. So that's so this that's, episode. That's all. That's all. Yep. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy this show, please leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps. Um, you can learn more about us at watchingthetutors.com. You can also go to my other podcast, the Renaissance English History Podcast at englandcast.com and subscribe to that too. And yeah, we'll, we'll be back soon with more downfall and disillusion gosh it's all falling apart it it's been falling apart but it's really falling apart it's now. really falling apart You're thanks right. for listening thanks everyone. for listening okay bye-bye Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.